Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. So you see the boxes up here. We're starting a series uh, called Unboxed. It's a Christmas series. What we're trying to do is press into one area of life that you focus on more during the Christmas season. It might even uh, be a, a place of difficulty for you in the Christmas season, especially with all of the losses that we've had. Uh, there are, are different areas, you know, on uh, TV and in the public, everything is happy and joy-filled and, and presents and all that kind of stuff. But we also know that there are real struggles that take place during this time. People could feel lonely, isolated, sad, and all that. So we want to hit on different areas uh, of these next four weeks leading up to and then the week after Christmas to just show you what God's Word says about one area of life. We're just going to unbox it. We're going to unpack it. We're going to look at it, and hopefully we're going to watch the Lord move in your life. If this is a celebratory time of the year for you, we're not trying to like talk you down or say, well, something has to be wrong. It can't be all that good. Listen, if you're walking in victory, in joy, in peace, then use what God's word says to help somebody else out. The Lord has put you in people's lives that need that help. So you can do that. Uh, So Christmas is coming. We have, there's going to be millions upon millions of gifts that are exchanged, uh, you know, during Christmas time. And again, uh, the, the, the houses with the small children, they're going to have a, an exchange that's going to look a little bit different than, you know, if you're in your retirement community and you're sharing presents and so on. But it's the one time of year where kids can get like crazy, right? And they can unwrap stuff and you can throw stuff on the, on the floor and mom's not going to say anything and it can be a little bit wild, but... It's the time where you get to actually unbox things and you get to be messy and you get to go crazy to find out what's actually inside of here. Now, the reality is this. I'll have my Santa's helpers come up wherever you are now. The reality is this. Yeah, actually, my Santa's helpers. Yeah, that's who you are. There's two of them. The reality is this. The only way that you can actually enjoy a gift is if you open it up, right? So I opened it up. And to my surprise, not really because we planned this, this is a church merch gift present. So we got the missions sweatshirt here. We got a central mug. Well, I want two gifts now. These are, these, there's no exchange rate on these or anything. We got central earbuds. Woo, central sunglasses. I'm really happy that I opened this gift. We have a central, it's a coffee mug that we gave away during VBS. A central sandwich container. You never knew we had this much church merch, did you? CAG men water bottle. Oh my goodness. A central tote bag. I'm so happy I opened this for all of your benefit. This is great. Central Assembly of God t-shirt. Yeah. Woo. Oh, two Central Assembly of God t-shirts. All right. One of Pastor Adam's CDs and one of my books. Here you go. All right. So, millions and millions and millions of gifts are going to be exchanged on Christmas Day. And if they remain like this, not one of you can enjoy anything that's inside of it, right? We have to open up the presents. We have to let it get a little bit messy. We got to tear into these things to actually enjoy what's inside of them. Amen? So in life, we all have boxes that are like this, and they're called relationships, contentment, finances, 
our past, our present, our future, trust, expectation, joy, peace, all these things are boxed inside of this. But when something happens in life, something goes wrong, something turns out a little bit different, a lot of times what we do is we get afraid of what's actually in here. And we get nervous about actually opening it up, getting messy, and letting the Lord work through our lives. So instead of tearing into a relationship issue, a finance issue, a surrender issue, instead of opening these things up, let it get messy and let the Lord work, we walk around with our nice, pretty boxes. We take pictures of it for Instagram and Facebook. And we pose with it for Visco and for Snapchat, right? And we say, everything's fine. I'm going to just act like this issue isn't here and I'll keep it nice and neat and packaged. You know what the problem is? Is we never solve the issue in our life. And then the enemy can actually use these circumstances because we're not willing to just go to the heart of the matter. The enemy can use it to create depression, sadness, loneliness, and the like during these holiday seasons. Because of the difficulty of actually getting in here and the messiness of it all just isn't worth it to you, what we end up doing is we trade a private victory that we can have for public opinion. I'd rather have more looks on my social media because it looks nice than to say, you know what? This is a mess right now, but I'm not going to live through a season of it. I'm going to get to the bottom. I'm going to get with Jesus. I'm going to stay alone with him. I'm going to talk to the right people, get the counsel that I need and get through it with the Lord, with his word and with other believers. So this entire series, you have two choices, right? You can have the nice, pretty, neat box that you never get to benefit what's actually inside of here. Or you can get messy, figure it out, and get past some of these things that hold us up a lot of times throughout the season. So I want you to ask yourself, are you ready to unpack anything the Lord puts in front of you so you can truly experience the gift that he has for you? It requires some messiness. It could be a fun messiness, though. I want to read. We're going to talk about relationships today. If the Lord wills, at the end of the service, we might call people back forward up again to take that step in restoration toward a relationship. I'm going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you want to turn with me, they'll be on the screen. It's from the New Living Translation. Just a little bit more of a relational uh, translation for flow of what I'm trying to get across here. It says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. A lot of your translations will say he was going to divorce her quietly. So I just want to break this out. In Bible times, engagement was very similar to what we have today, but the level of commitment was higher. So for instance, when people were engaged, it was still a preparation for an official marriage and it was still a time where you would remain sexually pure before that day of marriage. However, because, it was, because the families had agreed, you two are getting married, it was a much more formal and higher level of commitment. So they would actually call it a divorce from an engagement too. Some people read that like, well, it says they weren't married, but it says he was gonna divorce her. So this translation says he was going to break the engagement quietly your translation might say divorce. It says, as he considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, 
Joseph, son of David, said the angel, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So if you go all the way back up to verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. All of these verses following this is talking about how Jesus was born. But in Matthew, it's a little bit different than Luke. In Matthew, he's actually explaining the relationship between Mary and Joseph pretty extensively of how Jesus was going to be born. So what God chose to do, instead of plopping Jesus on the earth as a 30-year-old perfect human being and walking on the face of this earth, he chose to use ordinary people. And he chose to do it in a very ordinary place by taking Joseph and Mary who were united and who had the same purpose to complete God's will. I love this when you look at it because it's saying, hey, guys, this is how God chose to bring forth the Messiah. There's a guy named Mary and a guy named Joseph and they're not famous and he's a carpenter and no one really knows of her and she's a young teenager and she's a little bit afraid of what's going to happen. I love the picture of this because he chose to use the ordinary to bring forth the Messiah. To present Jesus to the world, he used two ordinary people. And I believe he still does that today. To present Jesus to the world in an ongoing way, he uses ordinary people like you and me. Now the caveat here is he wants to do it the same way he did it with Mary and Joseph. United together with the same purpose. So he wants to use ordinary people like you and I who are united together in spirit to present Jesus to the world. But we have to be united, right? There's a command in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Verse 35 is the qualifier here. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If you grew up in the church, then you sang the song, right? They'll know we are Christians by what? By our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are, yeah, okay. If you picture a scale or a meter, right? Some parents use the whole like nice and naughty meter for kids. If you would use that same meter to judge, to measure how well you live out, verse 34, are you loving other people to the measure that Jesus loved you? No guilt, no shame. Are you actually willing to be honest enough to think, am I loving others in the way that Jesus loves me? And then you take that same measuring stick and you use it for how other people would recognize that you are a disciple of Jesus based on how well you love other Christians. We have an issue in the church. If people are looking at us and saying, wait a minute, they're criticizing them, they're criticizing him, right? Listen, I, I know that there are things that public figures do wrong. Uh, several weeks ago, uh, John MacArthur came out and he criticized a female preacher. And instead of saying, listen, I understand he has a different perspective and I value and honor women in ministry. What we saw is we saw tons of Christians bashing another Christian publicly. You have a superstar like Kanye West give his life to Jesus 
going out, seeing thousands saved every Sunday. And what do you see? A bunch of big name Christians just criticize. Well, we'll see if that sticks. We'll see if that. So we pray for something to happen. And then we criticize it. Or if one of your own brothers or sisters in Christ fail or fall or have a different opinion of you, then we crush them in public. And we can also do it in private through gossip, slander, division, backbiting, and so forth. The command is this. We are to love one another as Christ loved us. Freely we've received, freely give. And based on our unity, based on our sole purpose to advance the kingdom everywhere we go, other people who are hopeless and sad and lonely will see us as either disciples of Jesus or not. Those two verses should motivate us to not be okay if our relationships aren't okay. Right? Now, I'm not saying, I understand. Listen, I understand that sometimes there's a break in relationship and the other person just is not willing to be restored. What I'm saying is this. If our heart is positioned to be restored to everybody that we have a broken relationship with right now, to everybody who doesn't care for us or like us or or who has hurt us in the past, if our heart is in a place that in a moment, if they came to us or in a moment we would go to them, that we would want restoration to happen, then we're, we're, we're right with the Lord. We're in the right place with the Lord, I should say. But if we are holding a grudge against somebody, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness towards somebody, we have to be not okay with not having a relationship that's in the right place. We have to stop long enough to get this thing figured out. Amen? Amen. In verse 18, it says this, his mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary and Joseph were engaged. They had their life probably figured out, right? I'm gonna be a carpenter for this many years. We're gonna do this. We're gonna live here. And something changed. Something drastic changed in their relationship. And this happens time and time again in our relationships. We think we have things figured out, right? When you're uh, students, you know, if you're in elementary or middle or high school, you think that the friends that you have are always going to be kind, always going to be next to you and so on. And sometimes people change, life changes, circumstances change. And life just didn't work out the way I thought. Adults, your spouses, your children, your parents, we think that we know the path that we're on. And at any moment, at any day, something could change drastically. Now, in this specific instance, it was God who changed the circumstance, right? Other times, people change your circumstance by their choice. Other times, the enemy sneaks in and changes the circumstance. Our position of our own heart is going to determine how we react in those moments, right? If Joseph was all mad at Mary because of an attitude she had three weeks ago, and he was doing this and doing that, and he finds out about this, he could have run and not obeyed the angel of the Lord. I have to believe that their hearts were positioned toward one another already so that when a major change happened, they were continue to be ready to be restored. So I, I think that like sometimes it's okay just to stop and say, God, you know, this relationship, I don't care what kind of friend, family member, this relationship did not turn out the way I thought it was going to. Like something changed a year ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know. Something changed in it. And I feel like a ping in my heart. I feel some anger in my heart toward the person. Like, God, can you help me deal with that? I have unmet expectations. 
I thought it was gonna be A and now it's B, C, D, and E. So now I know my heart isn't in the right place. So can you help me fix it? Do you know five minutes in his presence like that can completely change the next 10 years of your life? 20, 30 years of your life? It's just being willing to unwrap this thing. Do you know how hard that is? Just to like pull this out and say, God, um, I thought it was gonna go this way, but it went this way. Like just admitting to your father that it just didn't turn out the way you thought. Some of us are afraid of that mess that it's gonna create in the moment. God loves it. God loves it. It's a beautiful mess for him to help you clean up. It really is. So we think about this. This is very real. There are people sitting here who have been abused, who have been abandoned, who have been betrayed, who have been lied to, who have been raped, who have been mistreated, and who have been hurt badly. And it got quiet. And there are some of you in this room that might be on the opposite side of it who have done that to somebody else. So we're gonna keep going on with a nice, neat package and we're just gonna get through this Christmas. Just get through, just close my eyes, close my ears, no, 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 this isn't really happening and just get through it. Or we're gonna say like, today's the day to deal with this. My prayer time this morning, I felt like the Lord just whispered to my heart that there is grace for the abused. I just whispered back to him in my own heart. It wasn't like a thorough conversation. So I was like, what does that actually mean? I feel like he's saying just two things. Number one, if you were abused in life in any way, shape, or form, I really feel like he wants to remind you or wants you to know for the first time maybe that it wasn't your fault. You did nothing wrong to deserve that. It's not because of who you are or your personality. That other person was wrong. So on one side, you have to remove the guilt or the shame, the condemnation that you deserved it. I feel like there's also grace for those of you who have been abused to forgive your abuser. I feel like there's a wide open door that the Holy Spirit will meet you in. You could say, so, so it hurts so bad still, but I'm choosing today to forgive that person. That doesn't mean you have to invite them back into your house or put them into a place of trust that they used to be. What that means is you step off the judge's throne and you don't require them to be punished anymore for what they did. If it's a law, like in the land of our laws, then they can deal with that themselves. I'm not saying any of that gets that disappears. I'm saying in your heart, you're saying they don't deserve to be punished anymore from me. The reason why this is important is when we hold unforgiveness to somebody else, it does affect you, but in the spirit realm, it affects them. So if you want them to be a whole person, if you want them to walk in victory over that junk that they had in their life, it would be extremely important for you to offer forgiveness to them. So I feel like there's grace in this moment for the abused. It was not your fault and the Holy Spirit will help you forgive them. In Ephesians 4, 2, it says this, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. See, now this goes back. If we're already positioned to love others as Jesus has loved us, now it's saying, out of our love for the other people, make allowance for their faults. Be patient with each other. Be humble and gentle with each other. Verse three says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. It will get messy. It has, I've done this in my own life to be super transparent with you. 
I might be upset, you know, at a time with Sharice for, I don't know, a couple hours or something. I'll look back. Holy Spirit will take me back to the point that I got upset with, and it's almost laughable. It's so small, so meaningless. It's like, why did this ever happen? Right? So it's saying, make every effort to remain united. And yet we, like, you're late for dinner or you forgot to bring something or you didn't buy the gift that I wanted or they didn't call on time. We make all these small things in life huge deals and we're not making every effort to remain united in the spirit. And we let these things come in and the devil has a field day with it. A field day with it. And I've watched and you've watched family members that we, you know, in the church or even in the community, friends, not talk to people who are extremely close to one another because of one small issue. And now we're not talking weeks or months. We're talking years of not communicating because of something that was small to begin with. I love these verses because none of them say, look at what the other person did, find out what they did wrong. These are commands for us. These are like self-control commands, right? This is how we can say, hey, listen, I'm not worried about what other people and how other people treat me. What I'm gonna do here is focus on being humble, being gentle, being patient, and making allowance for other people being normal and human just like me because I love them. And I'm gonna take the effort and I'm gonna make the effort to stay united in spirit, right? So if we take time and actually let the Lord work on our soul this way, I believe that we can actually get past the fear of restoration. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the, intent, the, the engagement quietly. So what happened is this. Joseph was a good man. He was a righteous man. He had good intentions. He had a good heart. And what he was going to do is protect the woman he loved. The only problem is that wasn't God's will in that situation. God was willing for them to go through difficult times. He was okay with it because he was going to be with them for them to be restored and not broken. Does this make sense? Joseph was concerned about what the good way was, but it wasn't God's way. So many of us in our relationships, we know God, we're righteous men or women in the Lord, and we're praying and we're doing this, and we think it's the right thing to treat somebody this way. We think we're being righteous and how we're responding, but it's not God's way. It's simply not God's way. So now we have families, we have friends, and we have churches, like entire churches that have split because these two sections believe they're right and they're godly, and these two sections believe they're right and they're godly, and we're just not gonna talk to each other anymore, even though we're, we're gonna be with each other for eternity in heaven. Give me a joke, people. This is a joke. Like this is separation of people who should be united in the spirit because I think I'm right and you think you're right and they think they're right. Instead of saying, what does God want to do here? What does God want to do? What Joseph, in, the, in the context of these verses, Joseph started thinking about public opinion. He did not want the woman he loved to be publicly criticized. And God was saying, no, we're going to go through this thing together. Fortunately, Joseph responded to the angel of the Lord in a positive way and took a step back to the relationship that he almost left. See, what culture does, is call, we have allowed culture to set our standards for relationships, right? 
We've watched things that say, well, if you do this to me, I'm gonna do this back to you. You're gonna get what you deserve. Don't let that person hurt you. Before you enter into a relationship, get a contract so you can get out of it what you put into it, right? And then we make statements like this. We get hurt based on that. And then we make statements like this. I am never going to be hurt that way again. Let me guarantee you, you make a statement like that, it's true you won't because you'll never love like that again. You'll never open up your heart enough to be loved like you were before because you'd want to protect yourself from being hurt like you have been before. And God's like, no, 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 stay vulnerable. Stay transparent. Continue to love others as I have loved you and let me work through those pains with you. February 7th of this year, this is how culture is setting our standard for relationship. February 7th of this year, a person, a man from India uh, began a lawsuit against his parents for giving birth to him without his consent. <laughs> I Googled it today because I remembered hearing the story. It was February 7th. So we are not to get our relationship skills from culture, folks. We have to get them from his word. We have to live in his word. Some of you are Googling it right now. <laughs> I really want to stop as a church too. And I don't, I don't think we're in a bad place. So the Lord's given us a great church. He's unified and so on. But as individuals, I want to stop being able to make excuses that like I'm being godly and that's why I'm not being restored. Like if it's a year later and you're, you have a broken relationship and you say, well, I'm still praying about it. I'll tell you God's will right now. His will for your relationship is to be restored. Period. It's all throughout his word. The one exception I would say is if you are in a season of intercession for yourself and for that person because you know your heart isn't right or you just know their heart is not right and if you approach them at this season that it would actually cause more harm than, hurt, than, than, than help. Does that make sense? That's like the one exception I can think of is if you're actually interceding for them. But guess what? If you're interceding for them, then your heart is already positioned for restoration. So you've already done the hard part in your heart. You've gotten past the fear of rejection, isolation, being, being uh, abused again, being um, the, you know, the, the division again. Does this make sense, guys? So I don't, I don't, want, I don't, I don't want to ever be in, my, in a state of life where I'm like, it's years have gone by and I'm just still praying about it. The Lord's saying, it's time to be restored. And if you're willing to do it, then it has to be up to the other person to make that choice too. Amen? Philippians 2, 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. So the Bible does not teach you that you have to think like you're a piece of garbage, right? You can be on a really, really high shelf. And all you're doing when you're looking and interacting with other people, you're just putting on them on a shelf higher than you. You're honoring the other person as a child of God or someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, but is loved by God. And you're treating them with the love that Jesus gave you. So let's be honest, this can be really difficult. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, right? Some of you are going to be in houses and homes and interact with people that you're just uncomfortable with or you know that just don't like you or maybe you don't like them. So my, my, I, I implore you today, my challenge to you today is to start unpacking this thing like this afternoon with the Lord or this evening with the Lord. Get all messy now so that when you're in front of them and they roll their eyes at you or they say something rude to you or they say something condescending to your child, you don't flip out. Get messy now so you can actually be like this in your heart then, right? Deal with it. In these moments, 
so you don't come undone in front of everybody else. And it's really hard. I remember when I was early, early on in my ministry, uh, I had missed uh, an event, a very important event for another family. And I was attending another, uh, another obligation that I had in that moment. What I came to find out later on is I had really hurt the family. I, I wrote a card. I didn't explain myself well. And I, I, really, I really caused a lot of pain. I realized that. So I came home and I talked to Sharice about it. And I was like, oh, so I didn't explain myself well. I really feel like there's like a valid reason. If I could just explain myself to them, then, you know, this thing, she said, no, you have to just go and you have to ask for, for their forgiveness. You've caused a lot of pain in their life. No excuses, no extra explanations. And by God's grace, I went to, to the one individual that was in the family and I said, I messed up. I missed it. Will you forgive me? Like I was wrong. And at times we have to do that. Like we have to be willing to put all the excuses, all the other reasons of why you're right. Like it's overrated. Being right is overrated. We've surrendered our entire being to follow Jesus. So we're Christians that still have to be right. Who cares? Who's keeping score? When you're face to face with God and all the end of this, nobody, he's not like, hey, you were right 472 times in your life. It's not gonna, you're not gonna be qualified for how right you were. But if you were a person of peace, making every effort to stay unified in the spirit with those that you were united with at one time, I believe we'll get credit for that. I believe there's a piece of the reward in us for that, not for being right. Adam, you can come up. So it says in verse 20, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is what happened. The Holy Spirit did this. You'll have a son, you're to name him Jesus. This is what happened here. Joseph's heart was already in the right place because remember, he was gonna do something that was good by separating from her privately because he's doing it out of his love for her. But he's gonna do the wrong thing, not the godly thing. So the angel shows up and supernaturally intervenes because his heart was ready to receive something supernatural, right? So what I want us to do is I want us to place our hearts into a position of being soft and humble before the Lord so he can show up and intervene supernaturally and encourage you. This is how you are to be restored to this person. Don't break relationship with this person. Don't run away from this person. Don't treat this person this way. This is how I want you to do it. And though, yes, I do believe that he still speaks in dreams, visions, and the like. It's all throughout scripture. We shouldn't wait for those moments to only call those God. The Holy Spirit whispering to you in a time of prayer is just as much God as the angel of the Lord showing up in a dream. So we could, I mean, we could take like five minutes right now and, and we could list down all the people that you might have a grudge against, might be angry with, might want them to kind of get what they deserve just a little bit, right? We could write those names down and begin to unpack that with the Lord. And I guarantee he'll start saying, restore this with this one call this person, visit this person. That whisper is a supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we're not letting him is just like we're unwilling to unwrap our relationship issues, we keep God in one of these two. We say, okay, you're in my devotions for 15 minutes in the morning and then I'm off to do my thing. And when I see that coworker, yes, I'm gonna roll my eyes. Yes, I'm gonna ignore them because they frustrate me. Instead of saying, you know what? Before work, I'm gonna get messy with the Lord. Before I go back to my family or to work or to my community center, whatever it is, I'm gonna get messy with Jesus. 
And let him speak to your life and let him show you how this can be done. So in verse 24, it says, Joseph woke up. He did just as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. He didn't have sexual relations with her until she was born, until Jesus was born and Joseph named him Jesus. What you see here is there was action and there was obedience, right? In his action of saying, I'm going to be restored. I'm not going to break my relationship with this one. I'm gonna do what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. He was free from fear now. You know, I started to look through scripture a little bit and wonder, it doesn't explain how much ridicule, like a, a woman being pregnant out of wedlock at that time could have major public ramifications. Shaming, exiling, stoning, like all kind of stuff. Just started thinking like, how much did God reveal of how much they were ridiculed, criticized, isolated, put out? I can't find much. I was like, why isn't this in there? I feel like the Lord says, because it doesn't matter. That's not the important part. The important part was Joseph was, was sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to stay in good relationship so that God's will could get accomplished. So though God will use you if you're in a broken relationship right now, right? If you're not talking to a parent or a child, or a spouse, a friend of many years, if you guys are broken right now, the Lord will still use you if your heart is softened toward the other person. I'm not saying he's just like leaving you. But what I'm saying is if you guys can be restored, the Lord's will can be done in such a greater way because he has things for you, two or three or four of the entire family to accomplish, united in the spirit. In Romans 12, 17, it says, don't never pay back evil with more evil. Like these are commands, guys. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live at peace with everyone. A lot of your translations might say, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I've used the illustration uh, for years before, is it's us building our half of the bridge. You know, you can go through the holiday season with joy and with peace, with satisfaction, even if that person doesn't come back to you, if you have your half of the bridge built. If you say, I'm doing everything possible that I can do to be restored and they still won't come back, then God's grace is on you. His favor is on you. You can go to sleep at night interceding for them, but still be at peace with yourself. He's a big God. So I wanna ask you a question. What does that verse look like in your life? What does it look like as much as it depends on you live at peace with everyone? Does it mean this afternoon you make a phone call? Does it mean you stop listening to me for the next three minutes and, and pull out your phone and text them right now? Does it mean showing up to their house today? Does it mean getting the deleted invitation to your Christmas party out of your junk box and putting it back to the person that you should invite it in the first place? Does it mean tomorrow morning before you start work, you meet with one of your coworkers that you've held something onto because they did something wrong to you? Does it mean offering forgiveness or does it mean asking for forgiveness? These verses have to look like something. We're gonna leave here and yeah, it was a great time of worship, but the Lord really didn't move through the word. I'm not sure why. These verses have to mean something for us. They have to look like something. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone.
Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.